This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. If you're a new listener or an old one, welcome to Radio Parallax. We think there may be a few new listeners this week owing to some publicity we got. And uh, we would like to confirm that, yes, I am indeed the most dangerous man in radio. No, uh, I'm I'm not sure why they chose that (laughs) as the angle. However, we are certainly glad for the wonderful write-up by Rachel LeBrock in the Sacramento News and Review. Rachel, thanks. Thanks to all the good people that, uh, that week in and week out produce uh, that fine newspaper. We, uh, we quote from it all the time, because it's good. For example, we talked a bit about water on last week's show, and we're going to do it again on this week's show because that induced some emails. For example, writing in the green light column last September, Jeff Von Kainel, president and CEO of the News and Review, said, When a government official decides to appoint a blue ribbon task force to study an issue, it usually means we're in big trouble. The problems are so huge and the potential solutions so controversial that no politician wants to touch them with a 10-foot pole. Or how about this analysis of uh, Kevin Johnson's machinations by Cosmo Garvin? Enter Sean Callahan, the newest tool in Johnson's strong mayor toolbox. He's been doing public relations for the mayor's front group, Sacramentans for Accountable Government, for about a month. Callahan's also executive director of the right-wing pro-war group, Move America Forward. His day job is bashing President Barack Obama and his fellow Muslims, bashing state workers and bashing Obama some more. Callahan's outfit has a lot of overlap with Our Country Deserves Better, also known as the Tea Party Express, also known as Republican strategist Sal Russo and Gray Davis recall activist Howard Kalugian, among others. Johnson's strong mayor campaign lawyer Tom Hitachik is also a well-known right-wing operative. In his latest act of public service, he's been hired to help the ballot campaign to scrap Assembly Bill 32, California's landmark global warming law. Cosmo then took a... Uh, a swipe at Callahan for sending out an email claiming that the B had just endorsed Johnson's latest strong mayor proposal. So Cosmo emailed Stuart Leavenworth over at the B, where he heads the editorial board, and asked, what's up with that? With Mr. Leavenworth, nice try, mayor, but we're not in favor of a rush to the ballot. We think the Sacramento would be well served by a mayor who has more authority to improve the city than in the past the current mayors have enjoyed, but we don't support the mayor's timetable. Anyway, good work at the News and Review. Keep it up, and, and, and thanks for your kind words. Mr. McMillan, stop that. We don't think there's anything dangerous about this program, unless you're worried about getting more informed about things. And later in today's program, we're going to speak with Phil Cowan, a true legend of local radio. Stay tuned for that in our third segment today. And later on in this very segment, we're going to talk to somebody else that I spoke with uh, over at uh, Cap Radio. That would be Willie Weir, adventure bicyclist. Anyway, we like to begin this program with On This Date in History, and let's do that. <laughs> 
Our date in question is the 4th of March. It was on March 4th in 1789 that the first session of the U.S. Congress opened in New York City. In spite of this date marking the nation's new constitution taking effect, only 22 of the 81 senators and representatives showed up. On March 4th in 1887, German automotive pioneer Gottlieb Daimler tested his first four-wheel motor vehicle, which had one cylinder and a top speed of 10 miles an hour. Some say this was the first Yugo. And on March 4th in 1933, at the height of the Great Depression, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was inaugurated as the nation's 32nd president. We have an excerpt. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Stirring words to be sure. As a boy, my grandmother uh, quoted them back to me frequently. She was listening that night and I'm sure it made a big impression on her, as it did on a lot of people. Roosevelt had a great voice for oratory, by the way. I've always gotten a laugh over the fact that when he met uh, the immortal Orson Welles many years later, Roosevelt said to him, you know, you have the second best voice in radio. And uh, even Welles had to admit that FDR might be right. And finally, it was on March 4th in 1940 that Kings Canyon National Park here in California was established. I'm somewhat ashamed to admit that my first trip to Kings Canyon was two years ago. And I must say, I was blown away. It is truly world-class, and if you haven't been, check it out. I can tell you when the summer comes, I'm going back. And if you want to go, just drive down 99 to hit Fresno and turn left. Our quote of the day comes from the great Roman writer Horace, who once said, He who is greedy is always in want. My quip of the day comes from Craig Ferguson, who earlier this week said, Bernie Madoff's daughter-in-law, Stephanie Madoff, is changing her name. She says the Madoff name is tainted with scandal, and she wants a name with less negative connotation. She'll now be known as Stephanie Bin Laden. Our joke of the day is as follows. An old woman goes to a wizard. She asks him if he can remove a curse she's been living with for 40 years. The wizard says, I can try, but you will have to tell me the exact words that were used in the curse. Woman says, okay, it was, I now pronounce you man and wife. Our stat of the day is from the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. Apparently, 81% of this group says they're aware of divorce cases in which Facebook and other social media have served as evidence of infidelity. Beware. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. It was apparently a good week this week for weasels when it was revealed that the Supreme Court announced that it would hear oral arguments concerning an appeal by former Enron Corporation CEO Jeffrey Skilling. 
Yes, apparently Skilling's lawyers are trying to argue that prosecutors must show that Skilling acted for his own personal gain at the expense of the company, instead of only showing he was disloyal or dishonest with company employees and customers. Boy, is that a case of splitting hairs or what? But it was, on the other hand, a bad week this week for weasels. When it was revealed that the Smithsonian Institution turned down an offer by a California judge to donate the brownish-green suit O.J. Simpson wore the day that he was acquitted of murder. That was to go if the museum officials wanted it. But they didn't. The parties in the lawsuit, which are fighting over the suit, are looking for another museum to take it. And good luck with that. That does remind us of a great quote by the composer Frederick Chopin, who, looking forward to posterity, said he hoped people would not admire his pants in a museum. And finally, it was an ugly week this week for winning a medal in the Olympics after German loser David Moeller broke his tooth after photographers asked him to take a bite out of his silver medal. And finally, from the Only in America file, we have this. A California man has launched a campaign to rename Mount Diablo. Apparently, Arthur Mijares says, To me and millions of other followers of the Christian faith, the devil is derogatory, pejorative, and offensive. So he said the mountain should be renamed Mount Reagan. Officials over in Contra Costa County voted against a name change last week. Mejares, for his part, said that God has told him to press on. As uh, noted in that uh, fine article in the Sacramento News and Review, I do occasionally get to sit in over at Capitol Public Radio at the Insight Program, something I'm very much indebted to Jeffrey Callison, the host, and Carl Watanabe, the general manager over there, for. But uh, I enjoyed my interview over there with Willie Weir, who'd written a great book titled Travels with Willie, Adventure Cyclist. I invited him to come on to this program. I'm happy to be able to say, welcome to Radio Parallax, Willie Weir. It is my pleasure. Willie, uh, you had a great close to the book, uh, and, and I think in, in our talk as well, over at, uh, with the good people at Insight, about uh, recommendations you make for the kind of travel that you do. And, and we should remind people, you, you like to get on your bicycle and get a tent on board and and travel to exotic places and take the back roads and and I and I really applaud you for doing that and and I want to uh, I want you to make a pitch to our listeners uh, especially our younger listeners maybe in their 20s and as to why they may want to do the same thing well first off I'd want to say that I I don't really consider myself an avid cyclist as much as I really have been an avid traveler who discovered the magic of the bicycle so Number one, you don't have to be a member of a bicycle club or whatever. You meet people out on the road all the time who are just have discovered that the bicycle is the, the best way to get around. Uh, it's also the, the least expensive. You know, I tell people in, in high school, you know, right now, of course, we live in a culture where you get on, you know, on every single day you get the commercials that, you know, for adventure you've got to have a brand new uh, F-350, you know, <laughs> pickup truck or a brand new SUV. If you add it up, all of the trips that I have taken, and you took the cost, and you know I've had what despite like 13, 13 trips that have been three months or more. A lot of them have been five months. If you took the expenses for every single one of those trips, I still couldn't buy a brand new SUV, and probably not a very <laughs> good used one either. Uh, it's an insanely inexpensive. I mean, five months in India for one thousand dollars. It's 
$200 a month. Most Americans spend more on their phone bill uh, and, you know, and their cable bill than that. Uh, it's really very inexpensive. And, and of course, but we're, we see in the media, oh, if you're going oh, to have adventure, you're going to go on a cruise. You're gonna, <laughs> and I led bicycle trips for a living for, mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. And I had guests who literally would spend for an you know, a, a tu- a, a eight-day tour, uh, on a guided tour, and of course this is with nice hotels and the meals, they would spend more money in eight days than I would spend on five months. And, you know, for me, if I have a choice between eight days with, you know, halibut and salmon or five months with, you know, eating street food somewhere in the rest of the world, seeing some of the most amazing things I ever see, I'll take the five months anytime. Well, I, I, I'm so with you on this, and, and I'm actually going to quote from your book here, uh, from your last chapter. You said, go before you have debts and mortgages and kids and a career. Go. The gravitational pull of home will never be lighter. And I just want to second that. Uh, um, uh, 20 years ago, I took off for a year. People say, my God, it must have cost a fortune. I said it cost probably less than it would have to have lived here at home during that year. In fact, I'm, I'm certain that's true. The whole, the whole trip was 18000 that was 20 years ago. It was a little cheaper then, but uh, that included all the airfares. So people really can do this. They can as long as they haven't fallen into that gigantic hole of debt that is America well, true. and credit cards and whatnot. I mean, uh, I, it was easy for me to travel, and, and again, it was $1,000 in India uh, for five months, but that was only because I put all of my possessions in half of a friend's closet <laughs> and had, didn't own a car, didn't own any of those things, and so there were no expenses back home. Now people go, oh, I'll, you know, I'm older, I'm going you know, to take off on this trip, but they realize once you add up all of those expenses, that $1,000 trip is going to cost you $17,000 because of everything that you have you know, back at home. Uh, and that's not to say those things are bad. It's just making choices. And I think the, the hard thing is, is that especially at the high school and, and at the college level, we don't, you know, people don't learn those things. They don't learn that, you know, the most important travel decision I made and my wife made is buying half the home, you know, that the bank said we could, <laughs> as opposed to 125%, which is what most people end up doing and then wonder, how are we going to end up, you know, paying, you know, this mortgage? Yeah, we're living with less space. Yeah, I, I only have one bicycle, um, even though I'm a bike guy, uh, because I, if I had more than one, I'd have to store it underneath the crawl space of our, of our small <laughs> home. But you know what? That's okay. People are probably thinking right now, well, he must have said that wrong. He didn't really mean $1,000 in India, but, but I'm sure you did, and I'm sure people don't realize you can go to a wonderful place like uh, Thailand, an island in Thailand, and re- really, for I'm sure under 10 bucks, can get a nice little bungalow with, with a shower and a bed and, and live quite happily. Yeah, you can, but you don't just have to go to countries that most people would think of as being cheaper. Because what I've found, and, and you know, this also means that you need to travel with a tent, as long as you have your own lodging with you, you have choices. And when you have those choices, when you end up in a more expensive country, well, you end up camping more. I mean, because really yeah. when it comes down to it, your biggest expense is going to be your lodging. And, of course, when, when Kat and I traveled in, in Thailand, uh, places to stay were fairly inexpensive. So we treated ourselves more often. Uh, when you travel uh, in some place, when I traveled in South Africa, when I traveled uh, um, when I was in uh, Slovenia or, or Croatia, uh, I had the tent out a lot more often. There was no way I could have afforded uh, I know sp- spending ho- my my time in South Africa rather than being five months on my budget if I was staying in hotels would have been probably eleven days.
Life isn't all about making money, and, and taking some time and investing in yourself, uh, so to speak, is, is, is time well spent. Oh, it always is. I, I, I truly believe that. But, you know, also, in, at least as far as, you know, money obviously, obviously is an issue, and I, I, I love the fact that traveling by bicycle is frugal. But, but even if it wasn't, I'd still want to take a bicycle because <laughs> how it allows me to connect with people around the world um, I call the, the bicycle one of the last forms of innocent transportation. There's something about a bicycle. I think part of it is that you're vulnerable when you travel. Um, and, and, you know, that can be a bad thing occasionally, but most of the time not. But because you are vulnerable, people are willing to be vulnerable with you. And, and that means those barriers come down so quickly when you're in a place, and even if you don't speak the language, where if you're traveling in a very large SUV or even a tour bus or a motorhome or whatever, there are literally walls around you. And when you are out with the people in this very simple mode of transportation, it's astounding to see what happens when you travel that way. Well, I always refer to it as the cocoon. People like to wrap themselves in when they go to a place like Club Med. Not to say that's not a fun experience in many respects, but you're certainly isolated and insulated from the environment that you really ought to be in, and that, that's, that's not good. Yeah. Well, I also call it the great intensifier. And, and that's, again, that's on the positive and the negative side, but you, you will see more beauty than you would in a vehicle. And, you know, when you sweat your way up a mountain pass <laughs> and you get up there and your heart is pounding, uh, you know, and, and all of that adrenaline is going, that view on the top truly is going to be more beautiful. I, I was up in, in Costa Rica. I climbed a very, very high mountain pass up there, and uh, I think it was uh, Volcan Irazu. And I was up at the top in this beautiful view. This, this bus pulled up. This o- older man got out with a whole bunch of other people who were tourists. And he looked around, and he, and he looked at me. And then he pointed back at, at, at his fellow bus passengers, and he said, we are just going through Costa Rica. This man here is living Costa Rica. And, and, and it's, it's so true. Because uh, I have done the bus thing and the train, and, and I, I, I love travel in all ways. But... I tend to get depressed when I'm on a train or bus because I know if I was on a bicycle, number one, I could always stop when I wanted to. But number two, uh, the visceral feel that I'm going to have for any country and the people that I'm going to meet is always going to be tenfold. Well, it's a fine book, Travels with Willie, Adventure Cyclist. We've been speaking with author Willie Weir. And, and, and Willie, you're going to just have to come back here uh, before long and tell us some more of the adventures that you've had because I think that um, what, you, what you've been doing needs to be encouraged. Well, consider me your go-to guy for bike travel. <laughs> we will. We will. Okay. We'll, Willie Weir, thanks so much, and we'll, oh, we'll, you'll pleasure. be back soon. Thanks. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride my bike. I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride it. Say white, say bar, I say bite, say shark, I say him and George was never my scene, and I don't like Star Wars. Say Rose, I say Royce, say God, give me a choice. Say Lord, I say Christ, I don't believe in Peter Pan, Frankenstein or Superman. I want